0: Math with your kids, you can follow and listen on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your pods. Hey, everybody, welcome back to the Joyful Courage Parenting Podcast where I Aspire to inspire you, educate, and entertain through some really great interviews. Today, episode nine, I will be talking with Marcelie Smith Boyle from workingparenting.com. And Marcelie is going to share loads of information around joint problem solving with our kids and talk about how the, the power of coming together with our kids to solve problems together is so, so helpful. And it takes the pressure off of us to have to solve every problem. So I can't wait for you to get to know Marcelie. Keep listening. Hey, Marcelie Smith-Boyle, WorkingParenting.com. I'm so excited that I get to interview you today. Thanks for agreeing to be a guest on the Joyful Courage Parenting Podcast.
1: Well, Casey, it is my pleasure. I am delighted to be invited and so happy to be a part of this.
0: Yay! Well, tell us about who you are and about your offers
1: to the world. Oh, boy. Well, first off, I'm a mom. That's my biggest job. I have three awesome kids aged 15, 12, and 8. And like you, I'm also a coach. Um, and like you, I'm also certified in positive discipline. And... Um, I'm also a certified professional life and leadership coach, Mm -hmm. and what I love to do most is I love to help busy working parents find work they love while still being able to show up as the parent they want to be. Sound familiar? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> What's your number? <laughs> so, you know, this sounds familiar to a lot of people. And this is also my own story. Yeah. Um, because I went through my own major career transition around 2010 mm-hmm. when I decided after having worked so hard to get my Harvard MBA and then spend 16 years in corporate America. After all that, I decided, oh, I don't think I want to do that. Um, what I really want to do is focus on people rather than products. And after some soul searching, I said goodbye to the corporate world and became a coach. Oh, eh.
0: I don't you feel? I feel so lucky. Yeah. I feel so lucky that what I offer to the world is actually exactly in alignment with what I need most in my life.
1: Mm-hmm. Yep, I know you can relate. It's a great, great job. Yeah. Com- Complete honor and so fun and, and really exciting to be able to help people connect to um, their definition of success. Yeah. That's, that's what I love to do, help people define success on their own terms love that. And, and then go find work they love and be the parent they want to be from that place.
0: Sweet. How long have you been teaching positive discipline?
1: Let's see. I got certified in 2012 and I've been teaching it since 2012. And
0: where are you? Are you in
1: Oakland? Yes, Oakland, California.
0: Nice. Oh, right on. Yay. Well, I'm so glad that you're here, and I'm really excited because today we're going to spend some time talking about joint problem solving with kids. Yeah. And I love that. I love talking about joint problem solving and what it looks like and how it feels. And you had told me that you spent some time studying the collaborative problem solving model- with Ross Green. And for the listeners who don't know who Ross Green is, oh my gosh, he is the bomb.com for sure. He wrote <laughs> he wrote Lost at School, which is such an important book. And if you are a teacher out there, or I mean, you're all parents, I think. So a great, um, <laughs> a great gift, a great Christmas gift for teachers. I love to get really juicy teacher books for teachers for as Christmas gifts instead of like mugs and coffee cards. Great idea. Lost at School is so fantastic. So tell us, tell me, tell me about what it was like to work with Ross Green and and about this workshop and and all this joint problem solving stuff.
1: Okay, sure. So part of my transition to becoming a coach involved getting to understand one of my kids better. Mm. Um. He was struggling at school, and someone introduced me to Ross Green's book, but his second book, which is called The Explosive Child. Oh, I forget that he
0: wrote that too.
1: All right. Yeah, and it's a great book, and in it, he describes the collaborative problem-solving process in detail, Um, but I think the book is poorly named. Mm. I think it's poorly named because this process for solving problems with kids, in my opinion, is great for all kinds of kids, mm-hmm. not just the explosive ones. Yeah. So this, I think they should rename, he should rename the book, you know, The Average Child. Right. <laughs>
0: just- yeah, I wonder. Like, so I would, I've seen it. I know that people reference it, but I've never felt like drawn to it because I don't, I am i don't resonate with, I mean, I'm <laughs> not because my kids don't have meltdowns, <laughs> but when I think of explosive, I think of that really extreme behavior. Right. Is it written to that or is it really written to any parent?
1: It's so funny because I never would have picked that book up either. I don't have explosive kids for sure. Right. They explode at times, but I wouldn't characterize them that way. And so I never would have picked it up, but somebody recommended it to me and I read it and, um, it just, it, it hit me. It struck me in a whole new way Mm -hmm. and I use it for all my kids and I teach it. I've, I've taken his process and I've kind of made it my own and I teach it to parents in my positive discipline classes because for me, after I read the book and applied it, it literally transformed my relationship with my then tween. Yeah, it was it was juicy. It was juicy. And in a way, you know, I I I had known about joint problem solving before. I'd taken parenting classes and had heard about joint problem solving from many different parenting models, including positive discipline. But mm-hmm. for some reason, his model reached me at a level that I hadn't been reached before.
0: Oh my gosh. I'm so excited. <laughs> yeah, Tell so- us more. Tell us more. So you've created your own thing,
1: right? I, I have. Yeah. But I'll, I'll tell you the, the, the gist of Ross Green's process, yes. and I'm just gonna call it CPS for short because mm-hmm. collaborative problem solving is a lot of syllables.
0: Don't you think it's funny that it's called CPS though?
1: Yeah, it is. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's a little confusing, but okay,
1: CPS, tell us about yeah. it. So the gist of it is, is you know, very obviously the gist is to involve kids in mm-hmm. solving their own behavior challenges. And while that sounds kind of very simple, it's, it's not really that simple because it seems to me that as parents, we tend to feel like it's our job to solve our kids' behavior challenges. Mm-hmm. You know, we feel like it's as parents, we have to have the answer. We need to act quickly and decisively to put a stop to challenging behavior. Right. But the truth is, our kids can be awesome problem solvers. And they can help solve their own problems often better than we can. Have you found that to be true? Yes. I know you have because I've been listening (laughs) to
0: your podcasts and your blogs. Oh, man. And it's really counterintuitive for this controlling mama (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) to remember that there is some deep wisdom in the process of inviting them into that conversation. And remembering, too, that inviting them in is also opening the door for them to be invested
2: Mm -hmm. in the
1: solution. Like it's
2: way more helpful.
1: Absolutely. Yep. Yep. And it's way more helpful because of the neuroscientific truth that no two brains are exactly alike. Mm -hmm. Every brain, every person Has their own, even identical twins, has their own set of experiences, life experiences, and different kinds of connections in their brains. So, whenever anybody, any brain is confronted with a new piece of information or a new experience, the brain is constantly trying to figure out how that new bit of information fits with what's already there. And if the brain can see easily how it fits, you know, it clicks into place, it connects, they accept it, they mm-hmm. own it, and they're more likely to follow through. So, you know, we just, the brain just likes its own ideas best. And, and when we can help our kids come up with the ideas, it, it's just neurologically easier for them to then follow through because it just makes more sense to them.
0: I am so excited for all the people that are listening to this podcast right now, because that was so well said.
1: Oh, cool! Well, I yeah. learned that from David Rock of the Neuro Leadership Group. I took um, a, a course in coaching from his organization, and it was called "It's basically the neuroscience of leadership." So, really cool. And, and my huge insight in taking that class—okay, I don't want to diverge too much—was uh-huh. simply to notice how. Um, how many similarities there are, there were in the neuroscience of leadership and positive discipline. They go hand oh, in hand. Yeah. It was so exciting to see.
0: Yeah, that's how I feel whenever I read anything by Dan Siegel. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh yeah. yeah, there's all the science behind everything that we are encouraging parents to play with in parenting yeah. and in Feels relationship. Good. Yeah, it definitely does. Okay, well, tell us about so so tell us about process now. So okay. it's all great. Yeah. We want to invite them in.
1: Yep, we want to invite them in. And the other cool thing about joint problem solving, you know, not only is kids can help solve their problems even better than we would alone, Mm -hmm. they're um, having more ownership and follow through. And the other really bonus kicker is that when we involve our kids in solving their own behavior challenges, they're also learning how to solve problems. Yes. Awesome, right? So they're learning how to listen, how to empathize. How to brainstorm solutions, how to compromise, how to make agreements, how to follow through, all of those awesome long-term life skills that everybody wants for their kids.
0: Well, and you know what else is so exciting about this process, and I know you know this, but I want to highlight it too, yeah. is as we when the the unspoken message is I see you, I trust you, I have mm-hmm. faith in you, you are capable. You know, I care about you. It's this whole beautiful relationship builder. And I love to say to parents, like, the biggest, most powerful tool that you have to influence the behavior of your kids is the relationship that you've built with them. Yeah. And I, all of these things, like, everything you're talking about, anytime we invite them in like that, it's it's an invitation to relationship.
1: And I ab- love that. Absolutely. Could t- not agree more. Yeah, for sure. Um, yep. So... His process, Ross Green's process, has really three main steps, Mm -hmm. which is to empathize and gather information from the child from their perspective. Second step is to define the problem. And the third is to brainstorm solutions together with your child. So it sounds like a pretty simple process. Mm -hmm. And it, it is and it isn't, but the most powerful part of collaborative problem solving for me was not necessarily in the process, but rather in how Ross Green talks about shifting your perspective, shifting mm. the way you look and think and feel and about behavior challenges in general. Um, you know, he talks about recognizing something that, of course, we know in Positive Discipline, that behavior is really just a sign of something deeper that's mm. going on. Mm-hmm. And as parents, we're most helpful when we can focus on that deeper thing, rather than just the behavior itself. Yep, love that. Um, and so I love—I now say in my parenting classes, your child's behavior is not the problem. What's the problem?
0: the problem (laughs) i was all ready to say you're the problem (laughs) and then i thought to myself oh my god do you really say that to him i let them i let them come to that realization by like week three or so
1: (laughs) yes that that usually takes about three weeks true
0: yeah but i love that the, the child's behavior isn't the problem the problem is the problem
1: and the problem is always underneath the surface yeah and when the problem gets solved then what the behavior on the surface subsides. Yes. Yeah, so you know Ross Green's mantra, kids do well if they can.
2: hmm
1: Kids do well if they can. Just means that when kids have the skills to meet the demands of the expectations or the, the demands of the situation, they do well. But when the demands of the situation outstrip, their developmental uh, skills or their you know gross or fine motor skills or their frustration tolerance or their emotional regulation skills when there's a gap then that's often when that challenging behavior shows up yep so it sounds theoretical at this point i wonder if i can just give an example do it of of the, what happens when you shift your focus from the behavior to the, to the problem, which is underneath. And this is an example from my own child who wasn't turning in his homework. Okay. So he, he did it, but then he just couldn't get it turned in the next day, which would frustrate me like to no end because I can't understand how someone can't just turn in their homework because I certainly was able to do it and why can't he and so the normal the kind of traditional parenting response might have been well fine there's going to be a consequence you know no no tv today or no screen time or you can't have your play date if you don't turn in your homework that might be addressing the behavior
0: and isn't that the thought behind that about if I create enough pain you will want to avoid the pain yeah and do the right thing right that's kind of the mindset that I hear from parents okay sorry to
2: interrupt
1: no, I think that's a great um, insight. It is about you know the assumption is that it's about pain avoidance. That my child understands the pain and the and they're going to avoid the pain. Mm-hmm. It's going to be worth it to them to avoid the pain. But that just kind of um, highlights the problem here, right? Because those consequences, or rewards, and punishments they often don't work because I'm not addressing the problem. Right. I'm addressing the you know, the behavior that's on the surface, the thing that we can see. So when um, I actually took the time to empathize and listen to what was going on from his perspective, um, I recognized that the problem was not about not turning in homework. The problem was organizational skills. Mm -hmm. He, He didn't have the organizational skills to be able to keep track of the assignments. And he also had some auditory processing skills, which means he didn't always hear when the teacher was asking for the homework to go up. Um, and, and so it was a matter of, of skills. The problem was organization and, and hearing. Mm-hmm. So when I shift my focus now down to the actual problem, we're going to do completely different things, mm-hmm. find totally different solutions that might actually be helpful.
0: Oh, that but, is so good. That is so good.
1: I love that. And, and, and I love,
0: it's a great example too. We, You know, because when we create those consequences, we're assuming that all of a sudden they're going to have the skills that are missing. Right. But that that the consequences don't teach any skills. Right. Right. Yeah. So who's the fool in that situation? Right. Yeah. Oh, I I love love that. Okay. So what? So you're moving on. So you're addressing the problem, figuring out the problem is this organizational piece. Mm hmm.
1: And then brainstorming solutions together with my child to figure out, well, what's going to work for you? What's going to make it easier for you to be able to follow through and turn in this homework that you worked so hard on? And so we did a number of things, but one of them was we um, created an organizational system in his binder with different colored tabs and folders, clearly written homework due, homework to in homework, um, to be done so that he had a little, you know, a physical system to support, mm-hmm. um, the outcome that he wanted. And that was way more helpful than saying no screen time after school.
0: <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, so- yeah. And, and, what I'm hearing is, okay, so then my next question, because I think this is always really fun to highlight for parents too, is so you you made these cute, you know, this great little binder for him and then all of the problem was solved, right? It never showed up again, right? <laughs> How did you know? <laughs> it's like magic.
1: You know? Yeah. Yeah. So we had to try it out for a while, yep. learn what parts of it were working, learn what parts of it weren't, come make modifications mm-hmm. and, you know, try again.
0: Try again. Love mm. that.
1: Yep, yeah. So that's that's really the the perspective shift that mm-hmm. I'm talking about that was so so powerful for me, and it's in positive discipline too. But it, it's just stated in a different way. In positive mm-hmm. discipline, it's more looking at the belief that's behind the behavior. Yep. Um, and this this Ross Green's model though also led me to think about what are the the lagging or lacking skills yep. behind the behavior.
0: Yeah. So powerful. Yeah. And then you made it your own.
1: I made it my own. <laughs> so tell us.
0: I want to hear about the acronym.
1: Okay. So the acronym is PESOS. That's P as in penguin, E-S-O-S. Mm-hmm. And PESOS is my own recipe for joint problem solving. It's it's heavily based on Ross Green's work, but also on positive discipline and how to talk so kids listen and listen so kids talk. Mm, yeah. We all know that one. And the truth is I have yet to find a parenting philosophy that doesn't advocate joint problem solving. Right. So my problem though was that while I understood and agreed with what I was learning about joint problem solving, I had a hard time remembering what to do when I got home. Okay. So pesos is my way of making it easier to remember. And again, this is drawing on from my learning from the Neural Leadership group mm-hmm. that, you know, the brain remembers things easier when it has a mnemonic or an acronym or a visual or an image to, to fall back on. Yeah. So the, it's pesos and and there are five steps, one for each letter in the process, which I'll tell you about. And then of course the power is in the process, but also it's in that perspective shift, you know, seeing, looking at the problem rather than the behavior, mm-hmm. seeing your child as a partner rather than, um, you know, the recipient of your dictates. And it's also about shifting how you see yourself. Mm-hmm. So seeing yourself as a problem solver and a teacher rather than as a rewarder and punisher of behavior. And what, what Ras Green says is when you just decide to see your child as mm-hmm. someone who's trying to do the right thing, someone who wants to do well, but something's getting in their way, a whole new set of solutions can open up for you.
0: Yeah. Well, I'm hearing underneath what you're saying is the opportunity to not take things so flippin'
1: personal. Yeah. Oh, my
0: gosh. We become yeah. crazy
1: people. I know. Yeah, I can relate to that. Yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> How could you do
1: this to me? I know. How could you, you make me ma- so
0: You're making to- me so mad. And then it's like in the next
1: breath, it's,
0: you're in charge of you. <laughs> You know? no. But by the way, you're making me
3: act like a crazy person.
1: Yes exactly. Yeah, oh, the is beautiful, isn't it? Yeah <laughs> <laughs> Okay, yeah. so that's the perspective shift and that's huge. Mm-hmm. And then there's the five steps. There's one prerequisite though to doing joint problem solving with pesos or really any model. and that is that both you and your child must be level headed. So calm. In a good place emotionally. Mm-hmm. And I'm right now I've actually got both my arms out to the sides of my body like an airplane. Mm-hmm. And this is my body representation of being level-headed. So imagine then you take your arms and you tilt them like a seesaw, so that one arm's down and one arm's up. Right. right. This is the body position of not being level-headed. So in your right hand, if it's up. That represents intensity, and when intensity is high, because you're on this teeter-totter and your left hand is low, your left hand represents problem-solving and communication skills, and those are necessarily low. So when intensity is high, communication and problem-solving skills are Low And that is not a good time to engage in joint problem solving. <laughs> and is it's, this
0: connected to right brain, emotional right brain and logical linear left brain? Is that why it, you use the right and the left? I'm no, totally doing the pose right now.
1: Yeah, good. Okay. No, it isn't. You could do it any way you want. Okay. What it's more connected to is... Um, Dan Siegel's hand model of the brain and flipping yep. your lid, you know? Yep. So when you're level-headed, it's when your lid is down and you're calm and you're cool and you're able to access mm-hmm. the part of your brain that has higher thinking abilities and self-control and mm-hmm. empathy and all that good stuff. So that's the prerequisite. Be level-headed, both you and your child. I've tried to do joint problem-solving when I was level-headed, but my child wasn't. And I was like, why isn't it working? Yeah and yeah you, you need both participants to be in that place which means that most of the time successful problem solving with your kids is happening not happening in the moment of right. conflict or not happening it's you you do it outside of the moment does that make sense totally i
0: love giving parents that permission i yeah. think it's it's like everybody takes a sigh of relief you know mm-hmm. it, it doesn't have to be right this minute they're not going to forget <laughs> they're yeah. not going to, you know, it's actually going to be better. Cause I don't know, when was it? Who's, who said that you need to nip it in the bud, right? When it shows up, because that was a disservice.
1: It was a disservice, but it feels, it, it's just, I think we're physiologically or societally conditioned to think that yeah. we got to get it done now. And and I am a little bit, cause I'm impatient. Mm-hmm. I like to get things done and move on and boom, boom, check done. And, um, it's just not as effective when you try to solve problems, when people are emotionally charged for sure. So, yeah, so that's the prerequisite. And then the five steps, and I'm going to go through this really quickly because otherwise it could take forever and bore people to tears. So, um, (laughs) and I'm going to give access to everybody who's listening, give access to a handout, which has each of the five steps and kind of a how to guide as well as a video of me doing it with my then five-year-old daughter. Perfect. So it can really come to life.
0: Yeah, I'll put that in the show notes for sure. Okay, awesome.
1: Yeah, so the, the five steps go with each letter, and the first letter is a P. And the first P stands for permission. And this is the first step because it's about giving yourself permission to engage in joint problem solving. And it's also about getting your child's permission to engage. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: So your permission is, Hey, am I Mm level-headed? If I am not, don't give yourself permission to engage. And then for your child, it's about getting their permission to talk about the subject Mm -hmm. and which feel for some people. And for me too, this feels like, Oh, wait, wait a minute. I'm in charge here. Why do I need to ask my child's permission to talk about their problem, you know, mm-hmm. does how does that make sense? Um, but the reason it makes sense is is simply that when you get their agreement on um, when to talk about the issue, they're just much more likely to be able to engage and have a productive discussion and be level-headed themselves.
0: And I'm not hearing you say we're asking for permission to problem solve. We're asking, we're inviting them into the conversation about, hey, we have a problem to solve. When, when are you willing? Absolutely. Right? Like the conversation yep. is happening.
1: Yes. Yeah. Yep. So it's about, and so some people say, oh, the P should stand for pick a good time. So oh. you could make that sound. <laughs> <laughs> but I like, I like permission, but I pick like a good time could be too. Yeah. So it really is about, it is about timing. Yeah. And, um, and and But also getting your child's agreement, yeah, I'm open to talking about the subject, because when they've given you that first yes, the door is much more open mm-hmm. to having a, a really good, productive conversation. Cool. And the next step is E. E stands for empathize. And this is just like Ross Green. This is about understanding the problem from your child's perspective, helping them feel heard, letting them get that sense of belonging and significance that is so important. And, um, and often in this step, if you're really good about listening and trying to get understanding, often what you find out is that what you thought was the problem isn't,
0: Mm.
1: you know, you go into it. um, I remember once I did this with my son, uh, who didn't want to brush his teeth. (laughs) And I thought, well, I know why he's not brushing his teeth. It's because it's, It takes too much time. It's a pain. Um, He forgets. You know, that's why. But when I asked him about it and empathized, hey, buddy, I noticed that brushing your teeth, that we're struggling and we're brushing your teeth, what's up? He says, I don't like the taste of the toothpaste. That's an (laughs) easy
0: one to solve. (laughs) I I know.
1: I'm like, really? Why didn't you tell me that Uh. like a year ago? But he, he didn't. It didn't yeah. occur to him to tell me. It didn't occur to me to ask. Yeah. And boy, we're down a completely different line of solutions, right? Right. Yeah. So um, empathizing is a really, really critical step, not just because it helps your child feel connected, feel um, heard and understood, but also because it can lead you to the real problem.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Um, so that's the E. And this is the step that most parents, in my experience, skip. They go right to just solving the problem. But if you start here, you're going to get totally different results.
0: And, you know, I just want to chime in, too, What I notice when it's the invitation to listen, the language that's really helpful for me in my experience is tell me about. Tell me about brushing your teeth. Tell me about how it feels. Tell me. That's
1: great. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: And that feels a lot different than why don't you want to brush your teeth?
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. The em- That does not sound empathetic. No. <laughs> no. And tone matters. <laughs> tone matters a lot. And the, the two, two critical things to pay attention to when you open up the discussion and you um, – you you introduce the topic is that you make it very specific.
2: If you like this show, there's a decent chance you'll also enjoy the Shameless Mom Academy. Hi, I'm Sarah Dean, the founder and host of the Shameless Mom Academy. The Shameless Mom Academy is a podcast for moms that centers moms more than it centers your kids. I'm not going to teach you how to make baby food or how to make your three-year-old or 13-year-old stop having tantrums. Instead, I'm going to bring you back to yourself. So come check out the Shameless Mom Academy wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm willing to bet you'll leave feeling a little inspired and maybe even completely fired up. And you'll probably laugh a few times because I promise we never take ourselves too seriously over here. With 700 episodes to choose from, you're likely going to find something that sparks and speaks to
4: you inside the Shameless Mom Academy.
2: Lynn, this time of year, parenting can be
4: such a fluster clucks. You've come to the right place. Anxiety doesn't stand a chance when we're laughing, even about the tough stuff.
1: And neutral. So the what you just did, Casey, was both of those things. So yeah. tell me about brushing your teeth. How does mm-hmm. that make you feel? Very specific. We're right. talking about toothbrushing. And neutral. So it, there's no why haven't you? Why is this a problem for you? No. So when it's neutral and specific, then kids don't feel defensive. They're open and they know what this is about. Right. I've I've seen some um, parents will say something like, you know, I've noticed that I have to nag you to do anything. What's (laughs) going on? Tell me more about that. (laughs) Right. Is Judgment. Yeah. <laughs> Judgment. Not neutral. And wait a minute. What problem are we solving here? But you know what I do? What I do
0: say is I'll say, what do you notice about me at bedtime? Or what mm-hmm. do you know? How do I act? Mm-hmm. Which I also tell parents like and ground yourself because they're going to tell you <laughs> you're really bossy and mean. Yeah. You and don't like get defensive. Right. It's about opening up the, the, the opportunity for them to, to be really honest. Yeah. And it's a great, you know, it's a great opportunity to kind of reflect on our own stuff.
1: Well, and you're also in what you're doing is modeling, being open Mm -hmm. to hearing feedback, which, whoa, that's a cool life skill. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) Okay. So that's the empathy stage and you stay there until you feel like you really understand the problem from the child's perspective. And when you do, then you restate it back. So it sounds like your concern is you um, don't like the taste of the toothpaste. Well, that sounds like a valid concern and you validate their concern. Got
4: it. Then
1: once you've done that, then you're ready to go to the next S in pesos, which is to state your concern or share your feelings as the parent. So the problem is there are two concerns, mm-hmm. your child's and yours, and both are valid. Mm-hmm. So here, you just state your concerns. Some, some I encourage parents to just be you know, short and sweet. So mm-hmm. my concern is, if you don't brush your teeth, you're going to get cavities and it's going to be painful. And there you go. You've done that step. Then the next step, the O in PESOS, is options brainstorming. This is where you get to involve your child um, in brainstorming solutions. Find some good options, and um, you can invite that by saying, "Hey, I wonder if there's a way for us to find a win-win here. You
4: mm-hmm. know, is there
1: a way for you to um, enjoy the taste of toothpaste and still be able to get your teeth brushed? Mm-hmm. Or for homework, I wonder if there's a way to um, make homework easier for you to do and still be able to get the practice you need for your writing assignments." Mm-hmm. For example, and then you brainstorm, and um, and here's where I recommend that parents actually write down on a paper the ideas that you're brainstorming, so that your child understands you're really listening, you're serious about this, and as in all brainstorming, the rules are all ideas get recorded, no evaluation whatsoever, and often my kids will test me in this stage. <laughs> and say well I would like to use strawberry jam for toothpaste how about that and I'll be like that's an idea and I write it down strawberry jam for toothpaste right. <laughs> um, so you get your list of ideas and sometimes kids who haven't participated in this process before might be resistant or they may not really trust that you're really listening so you may need to offer some ideas yourself and um and just to get the, the, the you know, the wheels spinning. Right. right. So that's the options brainstorming step. And then the last step is the S. The last S is to select an idea to try. And there are two criteria for this. The idea must be realistic. So you need to tell your kids in advance. The idea that we choose has got to be realistic. Mm-hmm. And it must be mutually satisfactory. We both gotta like it well enough. Doesn't have to be perfect or awesome, but just, is, we both gotta be okay with it. Um, so after what I'll do is I'll look back at the options and I'll say, you cross out the ideas that you can't live with. I'll cross out the ideas that I can't live with and you choose from what remains. That comes from, um, Faber and Maslish's how to talk. So kids listen and listen. So kids talk.
0: Yeah, it Look. also reminds me of when we teach making agreements in positive discipline as well. We do that, Ooh. right? And the solutions helpful, reasonable, related, resort. No, what is it? Respectful, Respo- respectful,
1: related, reasonable,
0: helpful, and helpful. Yeah. Right? I love the helpful piece. Like, will this be helpful?
1: Yeah, that awesome. I'm glad you brought that in there because that we really are looking for solutions that meet all of those criteria. Yeah uh and then you go with it you try it out for a week just like you know you would when you make any sort of agreement you try it out then you make a date to come back and see how Mm -hmm. it's going love that and that's 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 pesos
0: i love pesos oh i'm so glad yeah thank you i just they're so it's so good it's so in line with it just feels right to the soul right it just feels so natural and intuitive to say hey Come on into this process with me and I can just see well I know because I didn't call it pesos, but this is, you know, how it's we it's what, yeah. what we do at our house too. And it's so mm-hmm. powerful. Even when it isn't helpful, even when the week goes by and I get to say, you know what, I noticed that this wasn't helpful or yeah. I say, How did that how was that solution for you? And they get to say, Yeah, I didn't really work out and mm-hmm. I get to say, well, we have this whole list of ideas. Is there something you want to try this week? Or is there something different? You know? And then again, that ongoing opportunity for relationship, for encouragement, for expressing how capable I know that they are. But also that it's so much more relaxing to say, <laughs> oh, to think to myself like I don't this doesn't have to be solved perfectly right now. It's about process.
1: Right, right. Yeah, that's huge, I think. And also just, I think it's also realistic to expect that any change in behavior is going to take following up on it and checking in on it and reminding because behaviors, they're like habits and they take Mm -hmm. time and repetition and revision and support in order to really make them stick. Yeah.
0: And this is the laboratory for life skill learning, right? Is all of these little processes, these little conversations, these little exchanges over time ultimately will more than likely result in kids that grow into adults that are embodying the life skills that we want our neighbors and bosses and future (laughs) leaders to, you know, be embodying. So thank you so much for sharing that Oh, my pleasure. I am going to get that file from you. The handout will be um, in the show notes and as well as the video. I'm super excited to watch the video. And Marsalie, where else, how else can people get in touch with
1: you, follow you? What are your social media outlets?
0: Do a little promo here, girl.
1: Okay. All right. So, well, my, my website is workingparenting.com. Mm -hmm. And I do a blog there. And if you go to my website and sign up for the free gift, which is 15 tools for inviting cooperation, I have a a PDF that you could down that you'll be able to download when you sign up for that free gift, Um, then we'll be in touch. And you can um, and I sent you'll be in my list to get my blog, which comes out about monthly Mm -hmm. with a parenting or life tip for um, work life balance or showing up the way you want to with your kids or parenting. And then I'm on tweet, Twitter occasionally.
0: <laughs> At Twitter.
1: <laughs> I'm on Twitter occasionally I'm too. I'm on Twitter <laughs> occasionally. And my my Facebook page, um, if you just search for Working Parenting, I'll pop up and and you can see my blogs and articles and I often share yours. Yeah, great. Thank you. I appreciate that. Oh, and my, my email is... Well, it's hard to spell. I don't know. Marcellie Smith Boyle at gmail.com. And Marcellie is spelled M-A-R-C-I-L-I-E. Smith, just like it sounds. Boyle, B-O-Y-L-E at gmail.com.
0: Great. Awesome. Thank you so much. I am so glad that we got to talk today. And listeners, again, check out the show notes and just know that we are glad that you get to listen in on conversations like this, making the world a better place.
1: That's what we're doing, I for
0: hope. Kids and families. Woohoo! <laughs> All right. Thank you, my friend. All right. Thank you, Casey. Bye. Bye-bye. Don't forget, podcast listeners, I need your feedback. I need your help. I want to know that you're listening. I want to know what's working for you. I want to know what you want to hear about. I mean, I will continue to take guesses and... Find people that inspire me and interview them. And I would love to know who inspires you. So be in touch. You can either leave a comment. If you're listening to this through the website, you can leave a comment at the end of the show notes. You can leave me a review on iTunes. Please do that. Also, you could leave a voice recording. You will see on the website that there is a speak pipe app where you can leave me a voice recording and you might just hear yourself on the show all right big love to all of you out there happy parenting glad that we're all in this together